So I need we need to understand like why has Eng- why have England obviously everyone says the English started football right so therefore if we're the pioneers of football we should be the best at football playing wise and coaching wise so wow. why have English why? managers Tony. not been able wow. to, to succeed at the highest level Tony. and who if you can what English manager could succeed at the highest level obviously Potter's dreams now been shattered Tony <laughs> let me put it this way yeah I'll put it this way. <laughs> He's the first guy to ever spit a bar, the greatest rapper of all time. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. You know, he's listening to that hip hop, the hippie stuff, bro. That's that's the football that England are playing. Bro. Don't stop the boogie, the bang bang. <laughs> oh, bro. Yeah, but like you can kind of say like NWA, are like the 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 uh, pioneers of gangster rap, but they weren't rubbish. So, but they're not the best. You could you could talk about pioneers, yes. No, but, they but the best. But comparing it, yeah, I'm saying England is like. Sugar Hill Gang, hip hop, hippies, that sort of stuff. Brazil is NWA. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? I feel like they're. I don't know. I think. Do you know what it is? Yeah. I'm sure NWA came before the hip hop, the hippity. No, no, no. No, no, no. That was early 90s, bro. Anyway, for the listeners, that's your hip hop lesson. Yeah, NWA was. Late 80s, early 90s. Late 80s, no? Yeah, that hip-hop hippie stuff That's was mid, early 80s, bro. Yeah, mid, early to mid-80s. So I, what, what I was going to say in like regards to that, yeah, what I think it is, and it's probably symbolic of just British culture as it is, there's no real identity, bro. And it comes from like... In, in, English, that, in English football? Yeah, there's no... like. There's a clear identity in English football. No, okay, okay, good identity then sorry there's no clear good identity or an evolution of the identity whereas like i don't know maybe spain have always been technical but you can see from when cruyff got there and did what he did with la masia like things shifted as well in terms of the types of player that were coming through and being used and how like the spanish national team reflects you know that sort of image whereas in england the same clear profiles that you were seeing in the 80s, you've still got now, bro. Do you know what? It's not, it's, not, it's, not just, it's not just the innovation of everything. It's also the mindset in terms of how open are, or like the culture, how open are people to innovation? Like, it's, I feel like in England, it's, it's frowned upon. Like, oh, mm. we should stick to 4-4-2. And then Mourinho came with 4-3-3 and he was antagonized by the media now it's like oh he was actually maybe 4-3-3 was the right thing to do and playing a lone striker and whatnot maybe that's hoofing right. it and doing that's... route one maybe hoofing it and doing route one isn't the only method of football maybe let's try and pass it around and develop that's true that's true the uk is always seems to wait for a pioneer to come and change the game Mourinho came played 4-3-3 hybrid with 4-4-2 diamond and that blew everyone's socks off and then it wasn't until pep then later on came um not even pep i want to say just before pep got his well yeah it wasn't until pep actually in 2011 with barcelona when he redefined um cruyff's possession style football that people in england were like oh that's 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 fancy and even and even though lvg played a three at the back before conte did conte actually perfected it and it wasn't until then people were like whoa three at the back is insane so that's that's actually a fair that's actually a fair point i never I never saw. I did see it that way, but it's now coming to the front of my mind. You know what's a good indication of that, bro? Like, who gets credited in England for making professional footballers be like 
live a professional lifestyle, bro. Wenger. What do you mean by that? As in, like, oh, Wenger, yeah, yeah, he, he in, introduced like the yeah, you're right. of the players and nutrition, and yeah, he killed the uh, he killed the uh, let's go to the pub after the game culture, yeah. you know, yeah, and that's where it's like the the Eng- English football year has as a whole has always been reactive, not proactive. Like, even for example, the initiative that I think it was Greg Dyke, I want to say, put out like eight years ago about like. We want to like have like a centralized training uh, facility, which they built in the 2010s, by the way, and like progressing in tournaments and stuff. It was off the back of being not good, like in recent times, or underachieving, and then having to play catch up. These are things that, like, when you look at like places like Clairefontaine and stuff, should have been done years ago, absolutely years ago, and that's probably why you see like. The newer generation of footballers actually look like footballers because it's now coming into place. But the thing is, we're building on old ideals. The things that are now changing and evolving, England is behind us. Yo, Amsterdam and I'm building up nice. That's Van der Sar and Ten Hag. I, I might just shot this beef for ten bags. Real talk on my life. I couldn't give a fuck about them, man. And all my guys are ballers. Coming like we're playing for Simrap. Fake use, get rid of them. Me and the gang was doing our plans last Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. You're joined again by your host today. It's me once again. It's Tony. Um, and I'm joined today by a new sign in. He's now settling in. He's getting a few episodes, a few caps under his belt. And he's now starting to shoot and score some goals. He's running to us in the group chat about Chelsea's current form. But. He's here to let us speak up anyway, joined by Omar. And obviously, 100% attendance. Hasn't missed a podcast yet, I don't think, Mr. Carell. How are you guys doing today? How are you two doing? You all good? Uh, Non-football related. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> football related. I'm, I'm in the trenches, man. I can't say. I do feel bad. Obviously, you guys are my friends and, like, as I like bantering clubs as, as much as as much as everyone else, but I actually generally, I, I just I just feel bad. <laughs> I just feel it's bad not fun when we're this bad, isn't it? It's not fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, if you were Liverpool, if this was Liverpool, mate, I'm having the time of my life. But all, I'm not just saying it because you guys are on here, but I do generally do have some sort of respect for Chelsea. Chelsea are the one club that were constantly winning trophies and. If you know me, if you know my football, I like winning trophies. So I really actually respect that part of you. And now the whole ETH for me, just saying this before we get into today's topic or continue with today's topic, it feels like that's gone, that ethos that's gone. Like the 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 win at all costs mentality at Chelsea has died from what I see. You're now you're now becoming a they them club. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> oh wait, I don't know if you're oh, I shouldn't say good. that. I shouldn't say that. Sorry what? guys. One thing I want to say is about my club, and it's going to feed into the topic. Um, Chelsea started hiring English managers and stopped winning, in it so. Yo, we're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna get written off. We're gonna get written off this fuck. I'm taking a jab at the LGBT community, and this guy is now being. It's not even. What's the opposite of xenophobia? What's the, what's the opposite of xenophobia? Um, Inclusive. Yeah. I don't know. Acceptance. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Hey, this is not our forte, isn't it? Let's just let's stick to what we know. Isn't it? We're gonna stick. We're gonna stick to what to know, what we know. You probably heard a bit of a clip at the beginning, but ideally, what we're gonna delve into is English managers. Why 
are if England is the pioneer of football, the creators of football, the teachers of football, why are we not good at it? And that means foot playing wise and management management wise. Um, in this podcast, we're going to focus a bit more on the management side and the playing side. Uh, for now, anyway, we, we might, you know, we might go on a tangent. I can't guarantee anything, but we're going to try and stick to the management side and understand why. Sorry, excuse me. The England, not necessarily the England national team, but or managers that have managed the English national team, but English managers as a whole in terms of why they haven't been able to reach the heights as their foreign counterparts. Um, the first four, four managers that we highlighted before this topic, before the podcast, sorry, uh, was Terry Venables, who managed Barcelona in the 70s. Was it 70s or 80s, guys? Um, 80s. 80s. Bobby Robson as well, who managed Barcelona too. Um, and then obviously... The later ones of Steve McLaren, who won the league with Wolfsburg. No, he didn't. That's terrible. He won the league with FC Twente and then went to Wolfsburg. Um, and then who's the, who's the last one that's missing? Roy Hodgson, who had most of his success in the Nordic regions and also managed Inter Milan. Those four are from the top of our heads. If you've missed anyone out, please let us know. From the top of our heads, four managers that did have success of some Potter, sort. If you're, if you're going to add the, the Oosterons with what he done. Did Potter win win anything with Ustersons? Yeah, so he won the cup and he took them from like the third division. Obviously, I think he won the third division, won the second division, and then won the Swedish cup, I believe. Oh, oh is that what is that what got them playing Europa League football? Well, that's fair. Something I, like that, that yeah. I, that CV yeah. is marginal, crazy CV, you know. His CV is his CV is yeah. really good. Like, it's a proper rags to riches story because he's come from. Either, yeah, I know. I know you're saying it with him, but I'm just saying, even for even if you take a step back, right? I know things aren't going well for him at the moment, but it is a proper rags to riches CV. He's gone from the back ass of nowhere in Nowheresville uh, to beating Arsenal in the Europa League and making a name for himself. Going to Swansea, he didn't really do much at Swansea, I don't think. Anyway, maybe he didn't have enough time. He was only there for a year. Went to Brighton, and now he's at Chelsea. If you're playing football manager and that's your trajectory, you're going to be very happy with yourself. So you got to give him where credit where it's due. I maybe just the Chelsea job was is too big and too soon. Simple as that. This is this is this is David Moyes in thirteen fourteen all over again, bro. I'll be so honest with you. Yeah, the move came too soon. I I like David Moyes. I don't think he's useless. He's a he's a capable no. manager, but like, man, it was. I think Ferguson just picked his mate. Really, <laughs> so. no, but not is yeah. He was a good manager, yeah, but he was a great manager for like small to mid level size clubs. And yeah. going to a big fish like that, even going, like, you don't realise when you go to the bigger job, like, how much more is required of you. And the fact of, like, even on that Potter's case here, like, when you've had um, no pressure to win your whole career, and yeah. now you're expected to week, win week in, week out, bro, it's not good enough. It corrodes you. It does. It must. It must. It must just take over you. And even if you look at him now, he looks more ragged than he did when he first got the job. When he first got the job, he had that great trim, nice no more shape shaped ups. beard. Now he looks. Now he looks like he he, he sniffs a bit. Like, <laughs> hey. but saying we're gonna we're gonna stick to the managers of his ilk, and we're gonna try to get to the bottom of why managers, English managers per se, aren't seem to finding success. Is it a cultural thing? Is it coaching standards in the UK not being good enough? Is it our way of looking at football not being good enough? Or are we just shit? It's definitely a number of things. Yeah, man. It's definitely a number of things. Like, you can see 
from what we touched on, like not just the culture of the English fans in terms of innovation of tactics and formation, how against they are to it, but the fact that I think it also boils down to another, I think one of the biggest factors, which is going to sound crazy at first. I mean, we all, I mean, crazy to the listeners, we all, I think, have touched on this before offline and we all agree to this. It comes down to, as a player, what the sort of, what each country kind of looks for. And especially, again, this might sound crazy to some people that have heard this for the first time, but obviously, if you look at, for example, a lot of successful managers, a lot of them tend to be midfielders. Yeah. Now, if you look at all the... the not Madrid, let's not say that you can't be uh, a great manager without being a midfielder, but if you look at Madrid, the great midfielders, your Zidane's, Guardiola's, um, even Ancelotti, Conte, even your up-and-coming managers like your Arteta's, Xavi, a lot of them tend to be midfielders. And I feel like the reason why this links in is because what each country looks for or what you need to make it as a successful midfielder, for example, in each country, the elements that you need are a lot different. And you find that England is like the sort of sore thumb, especially in Europe anyway. Like you look at Spain's midfielders or Portugal's or Germany's or Italy's or all these countries and you look at Spain or you look at England and you make the comparison, what do you need to be successful a lot of the time, it's more to do with hard work, passion, like that kind of stuff. I'm not, it's not saying that you don't have players that don't um, become or don't have that sort of technical ability because England have produced that. But it's quite a rare occurrence that it happens because what England strive for or, or, or look for, like I said, the stereotypical England is route one football, the centre-back hoofs it up to the striker. The tall striker will header it down to the nimble striker who will go on and try to score. That's mm. the stereotypical English football. But if you look at other countries, and even if you want to look at it from a playing field of like, OK, let's look at all the squads, for example. I look at England's midfielders and I see Jordan Henderson, Mason Mount, Conor Gallagher, these kind of midfielders. I go to Spain, even if they're not that good. Maybe not even the past, and even if I look at current Spain team, I look at Rodri, I look at someone like Pedri, I look at someone like even Thiago Alcantara, who maybe might not be effective on the pitch, but still has that technical ability. And you can do the same with Italy, like your Verratti's, your Barella's. You can go to Germany, you can go look at your Kimmicks, your Goretzka's, your Gundogan's. Again, I'm not saying that England don't produce technical midfielders, but the reason why that they don't is because elements to succeed is so different and that's why that translates into management when you look at the the actual managers of like your your the mid the best managers at the moment are coming from your countries like spain like italy like portugal like germany like holland because mm. what they look for is different and like that translates into into managers and that's why we we've seen and we've touched on like no english managers won the premier league and it's by no surprise to me but then if you look at that, right, I have a theory before I get to this. I have a theory that to become a very successful manager, you kind of have to have been, whilst a decorated, when I mean my decorated in terms of like you've played for a manager that is very, um, very knowledgeable, intelligent, uh, flexible within tactical and very strong tactically. Or you've played in multiple countries where you've adapted different systems and able to understand people at a great level. 100%. That all being said, 
I also think to be a very successful manager, you are, well, I think the, the more limited footballers in their career turn out to be better managers. Um, and you're right with the midfielders, because the reason why I say this is like, you mentioned the Contes and, and, and everyone else, maybe not Guardiola, maybe Conte and Guardiola is kind of harsh because obviously they they were at the better end of footballers in their, in their heyday. But Arteta, for example, who I wouldn't even lie to you, when Arteta was at Everton, I wanted him, I wanted him at Man United, but he was never record-breaking. He was, he was never an outstanding midfielder. He was always like, he's very good, but he's not quite there yet in the elite standard. I don't think Arteta even got a Spain cap. So um, in order to be... It's weird because like the best footballers tend to be bad managers because I feel like they can't find a way. Or like it's that Thierry Henry complex. I like to call it Thierry Henry complex. Whereas Thierry Henry was such a good footballer, he doesn't quite understand why other players can't do what he can do or can't see what he can see. So that's my theory. But then the way you've explained that then, Omar, you say, you know, the best managers tend to be midfielders and the best midfielders understood the game from a technical standpoint. England do have that. And they did have it with Gerard and Lampard. And they've now become managers. What's gone wrong with them? Because they did play football at a high level. They did play for managers that uh, were able to introduce them to new tactical ways of life, new intricacies and technical ways of getting the better of the opponent, new ways of un- of using your arsenal to your advantage. You know, Liverpool at Liverpool, Gerard had Rafa Benitez who kind of rejuvenated Liverpool in a different way to how they played with Gerard Hulier. I remember the 08-09 season where they were very effective uh, in transition. And obviously Lampard played under Mourinho, played under Ancelotti, played under um, Capello for England as well, both of them. What's gone wrong for them? But it, that depends on how much they actually took in over that time. It's all well and good in saying you like you're sur- like they were surrounded by them, but how much did they think about the tactics outside of themselves? You know, what I mean, they still got their own personal goals and they know their heroes on their team. So it was about them being maximized as players. But I also think it's with those um, kind of players, they still look at the game purely within. One, their era, and two, the tactical confines of England. Yeah. And what they may be lacked in is the fact of, bro, it's a continental game played in Europe in the sense of most of your squad is not going to be English. They have their styles that they've come from, and how do you maximize those players? But you, you can't if you don't understand those players. Yeah. Like, there's a reason why. I don't know, like, say Gerard at Aston Villa, the only player he really got something out of for a short period of time fully was Coutinho. And I'm pretty sure that's just because they were teammates and he knows what he could do. Or Lampard, okay, quote, I'm putting that in, in air quotations, getting the best out of, like, a Mason Mount, where it's like, I wouldn't even say he got the best out of him. I'd say Tuchel did, but, like making him a Premier League serviceable player. Because like, you see the traits in him that you've seen in like midfielders from your whole lifetime. But I'm sorry, if a player in 2020 or 2021 resembles a player from 1995, I don't think that's a green flag. Yeah. And that, that's one of the biggest issues. Like, people get onto... Like, and I like the point that Omar brought up about players being... Um, like midfielders and whatnot, but I'd say the best thing that makes good managers is traveling the world. 
yeah. what football is, immersing yourself in different cultures and then understanding, wow, like, okay, this is how it's different here to how I do it at home. What can I take from here? What can I add from there? And add it to my own ideologies. But you notice with English managers, if you have to say what's their tactical approach, the only one I can really say I know exactly what his game is, is Sean Dash. Yeah. And he's yeah. the opposite of what we're thinking of when we talk about like modern day football managers. But we know like how he plays his game and how his game is predicated on just trying to get three points. It's not necessarily about playing a certain type of football. And that's stereotypical, stereotypically English football, which is what, like I said, that sort of route one, classic 4-4-2. And I'm not here to say that it's wrong. There's no right or wrong. It's more about why is it unsuccessful? And Sean Dashford was fine until you want to get to your elite clubs and then you find, well, you can't do that all the time to win a title or especially in this modern day era anyway. And even the point you bring up about players or even managers being well-travelled, it's such a rare thing for England. And it's something which I always and have been advocating for. Like I, As much as it pained me, I like to see people like Tomori going to AC Milan. I like to see Jude Bellingham going to Borussia Dortmund, Jadon yeah. Sancho, even Tammy. I, I was not a big fan of Tammy Abraham, but I like that he went to Roma. And even managers, like I'm looking at Scott Parker thinking, Thank yeah. God you took that that bruise job. Yeah. Because that's what is needed is that sort of mix of um, experiences from all over the, the world. And even growing up, like, I just remember Owen Hargreaves going abroad. I remember Beckham and Owen having stints as well. Other than that, who really took that sort of plunge and was successful? Ashley Cole towards their latter end of his career went to Roma. And that was, that was the main, that was it. And if you compare yeah. it as well, like, if you take like Lampard and Gerrard, for example, like they played in England the whole career, bar a spell in MLS till the end of their career, um, which I'm sure I don't even know if the episode's out yet, but like we spoke about the MLS. Um, and then you compare it to say like, okay, let's take Zidane and Pep. Zidane played in France, Italy and Spain. And before taking the first team job, did his groundwork with like the B teams and stuff, implementing his way of, you know, playing the game or how he would play the game if he was a, a first-team manager. Same with Pep. Pep played in Spain and Italy. Probably took little things from there. Probably had an eye on coaching already. Came back, done his groundwork in the B team, then became a first-team manager. The problem with these, um, these, I guess, English managers, there's not really that groundwork that ever gets put in. And if, you, if we were to argue, like, not that I'm the biggest fan of him, but the most successful English manager at the moment is Gareth Southgate, who ironically spent a lot of time coaching the under-21s. So he probably built however he wants to play, albeit I don't like how he plays the game, but I can understand why he gets results. Like, albeit ones that he should win. But compare that to like Lampard, who retires, couldn't tell you what he was doing for the next few years, and then, no, he's doing punditry, decides he wants to be a manager, then gets the derby job. And not only does he get the derby job, he doesn't do anything different to his predecessor, Steve McLaren. McLaren kept choking at the playoff stage. And then Lampard gets the playoff, loses to Aston Villa. And somehow that gets that gets him rewarded with a job with Chelsea. I don't know. But um, 
it's interesting the way you guys put it as well, actually. And I'm happy that you mentioned Scott Parker there, Omar, because that's something I want to go into. Um, traveling the world and managing in other countries is a massive benefit, not to just those managers in particular, but for the fans and for the people left behind in England and seeing what that person is achieving elsewhere. Not only does it, does it open the attention to a wider scope, but if that manager does end up coming to the UK, he can then bring back the Premier League, sorry, or wherever in the UK, he can then bring that wealth of knowledge to the country and you know implement those styles as well. We're currently seeing something quite extraordinary with Stad Reims manager, Will Still. Um, you know, hasn't got his pro, his, his, his pro license. His can't claim charged. him, though. England no, can't claim him. England can't really, why is that? He's Belgian, bro. Right. He's done all his groundwork there as well, yeah. He's done all, yeah, of course. I'm not saying we can keep him. He's got an accent. Whoever, whoever, <laughs> whoever he, and you know what? I've watched the video of him switching languages. It's very impressive. He switches and he sounds like wherever he's from as well. Like wherever he sounds, like, yeah. Like he switched from he switched from English to to French, and then he spoke to a Belgian player in in Flemish. It was pretty. It was pretty. Languages are cool, man. <laughs> but like whatever he decides to 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 lead himself with, like not only will will Scott Parker, who's gone to Bruges, tell managers, you know what, he's better to go abroad and bring. Like I said, it will bring a wealth of knowledge. So just to say, uh, will still gone his manager Stad Reims hasn't got his pro license getting fined twenty three thousand pounds a week because he's a manager without a pro license dreams will get that fine for months because it takes a long time to get a pro license yet he clearly knows what he's doing and i think they're unbeaten in the last 11 games and they're in a good place they have a good squad anyway but they're in a good place in league arm what that does now say if will does allege himself to english is he now possibly understands how the Belgians play football, how the French play football. And if he comes back to the UK or to the UK, he can then use that to an advantage uh, and be able to tackle the English game because the manager, half the managers that he comes up across won't be ready for the Arsenal that he has. So, and vice versa as well, Tony, as well. Like, even mm-hmm. not just hit managers coming back to the Premier League, but also bringing players out to Europe as well. Like, yeah. I know Balogun yeah. was already on loan to Reim, but we're seeing him explode there. I don't know if a part to play is Will Still's influence, especially with mm. his English background as well. But like that's what I want to see more of it as well, is not the, not just them coming back to the Premier League and bringing what they've learned, but like I said, also vice versa and bringing more players out but there. It's ironic that the guy that we're praising in that regard is literally a foreign manager. Yeah, I get like, and I'm saying that to highlight. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying that to highlight, like, the clear disparity between a man who's 30 years old, hasn't even got his badges yet, and how he views the game and how he plays the game versus guys that have got these supposed badges that couldn't maximize anything out of a team. And I think part of it is due to like, if we want to get like really like into the socio-economics of it. The licenses in England are so expensive to get, so we're probably losing out on a lot of coaches in terms yeah. of guys that would make great coaches but can't afford to do so. Guys that would take the courses but no, they wouldn't be afforded an opportunity because in England, like Omar was saying, it's so resistant to change from the perspective of how many times do we complain that the same guys are getting juggled around similar and same jobs but the new guy 
doesn't get a chance. So let's delve into the culture then. Is it the UK culture for a certain manager to play a certain type of way? I know we've kind of just delved on it in terms of the teachings that you get from playing in other leagues, but is that literally why, for example, Sean, Sean Dyche is what we're seen as an old-fashioned manager, you know, 4-4-2, low blocks, um, breakout in a counter-attack during transitions, get crosses into the box for the main men to, 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 to score. That's seen as an old-fashioned way of playing football. But is it actually old-fashioned and is that actually the English culture of playing football? Or no, what I are think, we dealing with it? I think Sean Dash gets a like kind of a bad rap, and I was and I only started thinking that once I watched his um I mean he done a coach's voice. Yeah. On how he sets up and he even made a good point. He's like, if you look at my track record with players that I've brought in and where they've gone on to afterwards in terms of like bigger moves and whatnot, like he's not a dead manager. But yeah. he has certain principles that he lives by, and that's why I rate him. Like he plays his football. Yeah. And he can identify the profiles which work within. And I know there's a whole thing about the kind of players he does and doesn't play based on the appearances, which I think has kind of changed the Everton. But like, he knows exactly what he needs from a team. Like, you walk into um, Burnley's training ground, bro, you see legs, hearts, minds. If we, like, I know it's not the most IQ thing, and like we always say, Tony, like there's not always only one way to play the game, mm. but we can't deny that Sean Dyche has maximised teams' abilities. We've seen Burnley finish in European spots, bro. Like he knows how to get the results, and getting results is ultimately what football is about at the end of the day. Yeah, but My I'm talking about is, like. The, the actual roots of England. We've all played grassroots football and obviously we played oh, football. Okay, cool. We all played That's football too, quite, quite a decent level, all of us. And from all of our teachings, you know, you're right. You, you mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, hard work comes first because a British culture is that talent is great, but... Oh, Hard work is better than talent if talent doesn't work hard, right? That's, I think that's a saying everyone's heard at least once in their lives, right? So it, this is my theory, right? Obviously, I can't prove it in my hypothesis. hypothesis. There we go. Um, the UK being, how do I say this? Being, because of the industrial resolution, revolution, right? <laughs> and because the UK is a working, is a working class, predominantly working class country, and because football is a working class game, the idea of grit, passion and hard work is what has basically diseased and overtaken everything. If you look at certain footballers that play in certain positions for certain teams, I'm not going to name any names, right? There's a lot of footballers in the Premier League, right? That really, really do not have any outstanding technical ability, but they have a lot of grit. They have a lot of heart. They work hard. They run for 90 minutes. They put a shift in and those guys are championed by fans. And it's something that has been mind boggling to me because I can't, I always always say, why is it this way? Why is it this way? And then when you read football, and when you see fans, sorry, when you see certain casual fans like to say outlook on football, um, you know, a price, a footballer's price tag equals value. um, And the fact that, you know, just modern fans don't really like players that, you know, are in the media and, and have fun on TikTok. It's always got to be about work hard for the badge, kiss the badge, show passion. <laughs> I think that resonates. It's like a mirror image to not necessarily their own lives, but to the working class culture that surrounds football. If you work hard, you'll be rewarded by love. And within that, 
I think that's something that's been ingrained in the minds of people that get into football. So being a young person playing in grassroots, being told to work hard, you then become an adult that only recognises hard work within games, recognising physicality within games, because physicality is what's seen how fast you are and how strong you are is what is seen as a as the defining edge between two character uh, two players that's the way you're kind of been told by your predecessor and then that just continues swarms in the way to the game that's why in the uk as well i believe technical footballers are not appreciated jack wilshire wasn't appreciated until the barca game when he played the 2011 and if you ask a football fan now the average football fan they'll tell you jack wilshire was overrated he wasn't i don't think he was anyway like he was one of a kind like and then you've got players like Declan Rice, who I do think is a good footballer, but again, like, how many Declan Rices are there in the world? <laughs> do you know what I mean? But because, I don't know. Would you, am I, am I, I think, talking rubbish? What do you no, guys you're think? Not wrong. I think, you know what it is, yeah? There's a culture of lack of expression. In yeah, the UK. exactly. And it's, it's a case of, like, you know, like, how can I put it? Like, something as simple as, like, a nutmeg, for example. You'd yeah. always say, like, oh, if a player got, um, if a player nutmegged or, like, um, a striker tried to chip a goalkeeper, like, it was seen as disrespectful or, like, you shouldn't do it. You know, don't be too flashy. Roll your, roll your sleeves up, get stuck in and make it happen. Mm. And then it became a case of, like, well, we can have 10 hard workers and one magic man. So, for example, like you could say like Bolton and JJ Okocha, for example. Oh, we'll, we'll let you have a JJ Okocha, but you can only have one in your team because too many yeah. of them spoils the broth. As though, yeah. like, if you have technical ability and the ability to um, make something happen out of nothing, you're a luxury. Um, yeah. And for me, it's the whole idea of, like, even, like, the English culture of seeing, like, players who maybe position themselves strategically are seen as lazy when they're yeah. they're not and it's only in hindsight these players are appreciated like we saw the narrative on like say Mesut Ozil or the narrative on like Berbatov and then people start looking back at the tapes and go wow this guy was actually really good but you couldn't see that in that moment because you're thinking well why didn't he run the lazy so and so and that's where for me, the massive failing comes in because, like they always say, the ball travels quicker than the man. Yeah. So if you predicate your game on how many kilometers you run rather than how many times you pass and move the ball, mm. you're already on the back foot compared to most nations because yep. where it comes unstuck. If you look at England historically, especially like the modern era, they can beat teams that are industrious as well because. They want to run 11k. English players can run 12k. Yeah. Or what happens when you have, let's say that you play France, for example, or Germany, and you they have players that can run 12k, but also players that can pop and move around you. Yeah. That's how you get embarrassed. Do you think, like, say South Africa 2010 in that last 16 game against Germany, do you think the German players ran any less than the English players? No, I don't think so at all. Or did they? Did they? In, in, when they had the ball, they were very efficient in how they moved it and punished them four times. Yep. That's that's the key difference. It's how, like, people have, have viewed, um, like, it, it's just, yeah, it's maddening. Because they do it with foreign players first. 
and they try and ignore it with English players. But then the time goes on and you start to hear those rumblings. Like, for example, Jack Grealish, when he was doing it for Aston Villa, fantastic. Because oh, Aston, Aston Villa are this underdog team and they've got this one guy that can win matches for them. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to Man City and they're like, what, this guy's overrated, he's dead, he's this. But the greatest, arguably the greatest manager of all time has said, I'm going to pay $100 million for this guy. Yeah. And playing week in, week out. But you think, as Pundit A or Joe Bloggs from the pub, yeah, you think your opinion on that player is more valid than a man that has made careers along his, along his time. And it's that, it's that air of, like, arrogance and, and what's it, um, what's condescending nature towards <clears throat> the foreign way of viewing things or an alternative view when your league is literally dominated by foreigners yeah. that I could never get my head around. Because if you actually took time to look within and be a bit more self-aware, you would actually rebuild the whole structure of the game from the ground up. What I don't understand is in the 80s, we saw a lot of movement, fair movement of managers. So we had Terry Van Avols that managed Barcelona. We had Bobby Robson that managed Barcelona. You had John Toshak, not English, Welsh, but also managed Real Madrid. Uh, and then later on, you had Roy Hodgson managing Inter Milan. And and in the 2000s, you had Steve McLaren managing Wolfsburg and FC Twente. All those managers were successful with their foreign teams. Why was it not picked up by other managers to go abroad? Because you normally see, like, in Germany now, you're seeing that there's a pattern, right? Jaden Sancho was successful in Germany, and that saw Ethan Ampadu go out there, and um, Jordi Osei-Tutu go, Osei go out there. Lookman, um, Exactly. All oh, those and then even in Italy, you've got you've got Samuel Illing. Is that his Play, players, yeah, Illing Jr. Yeah. But, but players-wise, I understand the sort of difficulties for other clubs because we know... English players are overpriced. It's not difficult. It's not um, easy, sorry, for them to compete with getting the best talents unless they get them from early, like Sancho or, like I said, Bellingham, like these kind of players. I understand it from that point of view that you know it's difficult for them to try and get the best players when they don't have the finance, the financial sort of um, powerhouses that other sort that they're competing with, like in England, for example, because your Grealishes will just go to City for a hundred million. And, you know, your uh, Atalantas can't compete with that. So I understand it from that point of view. But if, like, it's it's almost like a domino effect. Like I said, we saw with Dortmund, for example, they saw, okay, let's poach them early. Even your Musialas as well. Let's poach them early. Let's get them in and let's develop them. Of course, some of them do will change nationalities, like a Musiala or whatever, and, and still and play for Germany. But... Had, for example, you played for England or, you know, your Illing juniors and whoever's that are still under, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the English nationality, if they do get selected for their national team, you know, it's about what they sort of bring to them. That's if they get there. I can talk about Southgate. Do, do I think it was wrong for him to pick Tomori? Maybe. But are, is he given a fair chance to everyone or is there that proximity bias of, proximity or he plays bias. in a... He plays in the Premier League and I watch that a bit more often. I'm more secure in picking Tyrone Mings, maybe because of his left foot or whatever. But, you know, there's there's a lot of politics as well that goes on, like I said, with the sort of mindset that that they look at someone playing for Roma or AC Milan 
who had just won the league. Because they looked down on it as well. But you know what it is as well? I want to just add a little tidbit. Out of those managers you mentioned that went abroad, uh, I think Steve McLaren is the only one that actually got hired from being in the English-based job. Yeah. Bobby Robson before that was at PSV and Sporting. Uh, and I think even Terry Venables, uh, John John Chosak was at Getafe, I believe. And I think Terry Venables was somewhere else as well. So it's the idea that I don't, like, in terms of even like English managers going abroad yet, I don't think the English game is rated outside of England the way people think it's rated. Because if that was the case, these men would be coming to get the coaches and being like, you know what, let's give them a chance at, at, at you know, uh, Atletico Madrid or Villarreal or something like that. But they don't see the footballing quality until those guys go abroad, show it there that they can actually, you know, compete on a tactical level and then they get their opportunities. I think... I feel, I feel like also a lot of teams abroad, especially, even that your bigger teams, are more willing to give opportunities to maybe slightly somewhat unproven managers as well. I feel like that's the sort of culture you find in not all, but a lot of nations that, you know, that that you go towards. And in England, it's very much, and I'm not saying it's wrong, it's understandable, you know, if you want to be a top club, you need to have, you know, this level of experience, etc. The only time I've seen it really where it's been the opposite was Chelsea with Frank Lampard, who came with minimal experience, which I don't know, of course, it might be due to his playing sort of, days or whatever or, or whatnot but it's also the, the mindset and we keep talking on the culture of you know these countries abroad but genuinely I think they just tend to give more of an opportunity to your slightly somewhat unproven manager yeah yeah of course the, if you look at the coaching climate even like Spain uh, I would say it maybe Italy's a bit more notorious for having like the older managers that have been around the block but like even like Spain France Places like that. If you look like 10 years ago, the guys that were coaching there versus now, there's a lot of new faces if you look up and down the league, uh, whether they be homegrown or otherwise. Germany, the same. England. Recycling the same you guys. In, you can have a name in the league, in the Premier League now, that's like a new face. Okay, maybe you've got Graham, Graham Potter. I wouldn't even say, bro, Graham Potter's been managing Brighton for, what, three years, plus Swansea another year. No, but he's deemed, like, new. He I'm is, talking he guys is, that have been around the block. He is, like, he is still, like, fresh meat. So the people around the block, I'd say, like, David Moyes, Sam Allardyce if he comes back, Alan Pardew if he comes back. Um, but new, if you're saying, like, proper fresh faces, new people. Um, Steve Cooper, have... maybe. Again, sorry? Steve Cooper, maybe, because he was doing like under 17. Yeah, Steve Cooper, which the aforementioned Gerard and Lampard before them. But like, um, I think, I think you know what it is, right? I'm going to say this. I think the British managers that are, that could be good don't start their careers in the public anyway. I feel there's a threshold. There's good managers that start their careers in the divisions below and then never rise above from it. So, Watford had a Welsh manager called Rob Edwards. And Rob Edwards was playing silky football with Forest Green Rovers and got then promoted from League Two. And that's the reason why he got the Watford job was Watford manager for three months and they sacked him. Cool. 
you got Michael Carrick now, who's making a name for himself at Middlesbrough. I don't really rate what he's done a lot. I think a lot of it's been overrated because he took over Middlesbrough, even though Middlesbrough were, Middlesbrough were sorry, were the pundits' favourites to go up anyway. And he took them from like 19th or 18th to the playoffs. But really and truly, the disparity was only like seven points and they had a game in hand anyway. So like, yeah, he's covered a lot of ground, but... I mean, Steve Cooper did it last year with Nottingham Forest. Forest were 18th when he took over them, I think, and he got like 20 players on loan, and then he climbed a gap of nine points and got him to the playoffs. So, um, either way, credits where credits due. Mick Beale went to QPR, was outstanding there. Jump ship to go Rangers is what it is. And then you got Kieran McKenna as well. At I don't know, he's, I think he's from Northern Ireland, Kieran McKenna, but he's at Ipswich and he's top of the table with Ipswich. I think last time I checked anyway, and he'll be coming up. Probably. So you have that fresh crop that are coming up, what do they have to do to break break through and then become successful on the next level? Or do they get that opportunity because all the big clubs are hiring foreign managers anyway? You see, Michael Bill, yeah? Hmm? If English football could actually identify good coaches, yeah, instead of looking at who's actually number one in the job, I actually think Mick, Mick Bill would have got a Premier League job before he even went to QPR. He did. He was offered a job at Wolves. And no, he turned it I down because he had just he joined. He had just That's joined QPR, yeah. No, I'm saying, I, I'm saying before he even got there, I think he would have been like headhunted because, again, a lot. you speak to Rangers fan, I'm not making this up, they say everything was McBeal. And the mm. moment McBeal left um, Gerard at Aston Villa, we saw how it happened. We saw what went down. And these names that you throw out, the problem is, right, the pathway all messed up like how can like Michael Beal okay if you say because I, I, I rate him as a coach in it okay if you say he's like the next one up why is he at Rangers not yeah. to disrespect the Scottish League but like where's the pathway at least with in Spain you probably either start in like okay maybe start in Segunda with a B team but you get a La Liga job even if you finish like 15th, 14th, 13th, but you're doing great things, you can get headhunted by someone bigger. But yeah. it seems as in England, there's, a, there's actually a glass ceiling of where a good English coach can go above. Mm-hmm. Unless they afforded the PR that, you know, someone like GP's been offered. And then people can go, oh, wait, okay, maybe he should be at the Chelsea job or the Tottenham job or this job. But... Other English, like the guys that you've named, even like McKenna, who's doing really well at Ipswich, where would he go from there? Because the, mm. usually they end up getting the poison chalice jobs. Yeah, they do. Yeah. See, right. a good job for me, right? And it's, I'm going to say it's a good job if he actually gets given to, if the objective is that, for example, Southampton. If Southampton came to Mick, not McBeal, yeah, I guess McBeal as well, or it's too late for him now, but Kieran McKenna or like, look. It sounds mad, but this season's a write-off. If you keep us up, by all means, amazing. But if you don't, it don't matter. We'll give you the kitty to completely rebuild. Then that would be a good job for him. Because then he's not judged by what he would obviously try to keep Southampton up. Because it's, 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 a, it's a positive for everybody. But if he does, there's not the pressure if, he, if I go down, my job's not here. And then he completely, at least that way, with that sort of, what I'm trying to say is with the uh, assertives that he'll be given, he's th- th- like, all right, cool. This is my job. I can basically put what I put into Ipswich into this job rather than completely changing his style of play in order to prevent goals going in so he can keep Southampton up. He can sit there and say, I'm going to play my football 
identify which players are good enough to play for my system, get rid of the people that aren't in the summer, and then therefore he can shine through it and become a respectable manager. You're right. The PR only comes if you are performing in the Premier League. And you're right. Those type of managers do get the poison chalice jobs. So if Southampton went to, to a manager like Kieran McKenna and, gave, and proposed him, why well, I just proposed him, then stuff like that would come out. The best of him would come out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, obviously. And the 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 problem with that, yeah, you look at a case study like, let's take Nathan Jones, for example, right? Mm-hmm. He's been sacked by Southampton. He was actually another promising manager. He was, and he had his way of playing football. Anyone who watched Luton knew how he plays his game. He was just getting results as well, doing it. Wasn't bad, wasn't good. It's just his way. You see him doing what he's doing with Luton, and they're flying, and he could get them promote. He could have gotten promoted to the Premier League the way he was going potentially. You give him the job at Southampton, which is going to be a fool to turn down in terms of what you can offer him, but then sack him after ninety days. That's where the issue lies. It's like, I, I know it will conflate with how I feel with certain managers when it comes to my club or whatever, but there is, there has to be a room for growth. You understand full well in the Premier League, there's a jump from the Championship, from League One, wherever you're coming from, there's going to be a jump. But you're not affording people the time or the... Um, the, the the breathing room to be able to do so. You've come off a bad run of form. You sacked a really good uh, a really good manager for you in Hasselhoo. You bring this guy in. He loses his first like few games, and already the pressure talks are there. And then yeah. he's going to go back to the championship or wherever he can get a job, and probably not see the Premier League for another five five plus years. Because everyone's going to be like, he's the guy at Southampton who lost all but one of his games. Yeah. And that's where you're killing people dead in their tracks. But it's the same way they view like success as well. Like, for example, like since uh, Mick Beal's gone to um, Rangers. Was Rangers, I think he's drawn like one game and that was against Celtic. But he's basically won every other game. But if you finish his second behind Celtic, even though he took the job like halfway into the season, it's still going to be like, well, he couldn't even win SPL. Like, how is he going to come here and he, hasn't, he couldn't win SPL? I feel like in Scotland, you're judged on European rather than league because everybody's obviously vision of SPL is that it's not very competitive. I think Gerard got the, got the, um, at the Villa job simply because how Rangers are performing in the Europa League. And I'm not saying Rangers get into the final because that actually was uh, Van Bronckhorst. It was season before. Season before, I didn't they draw... I think they beat Sevilla. Was it Sevilla? I think they beat somebody. In, they beat a team in Spain and they went toe-to-toe with like Sporting Lisbon and stuff. Like They showed that they were they were quite a decent team to the point that obviously Van Bronckhorst got them over the line, but people saw it as him living out Gerard, what the, the blueprint that Gerard left. But I think that's the problem with Scotland. I don't think anyone really, really takes anyone. The reason why I say this as well is because Ange Postacoglu isn't British, he's Australian. He's gone from the J-League to Celtic, brought across a lot of imports that he knew from the Japanese league. The majority of them have now performed to very good levels and he's got the absolute world of that Portuguese winger, Yota. And does anyone care? <laughs> no. Because unless Scotland, sorry, unless Celtic do a mazzoline and knock 
a big name like the Champions League, no one's going to pay attention because everyone's going to think, oh, well, it's SPL. But just to further on in that point now, especially Nathan Jones, Nathan Jones has lost a Southampton job. I think it's a worse record than Frank Leboa. It's not a good record to have. My immediate point for him is the best way now for you to get your name back out there is to go abroad. Go manage in the Netherlands. Go manage in Germany, for example. Go pick up the, I want to say Union Berlin, but they're in a title race. <laughs> go pick up like the Schalke job or something. And then the reason why I say that is because it's still, the Schalke job is of a higher prestige in Southampton. So if you go to Schalke, for example, and you do amazing with them and you get them into even just the Europa League, even though you failed at Southampton, you have done better at a bigger club. And that's how you get your name back up there. But for the life of me, they don't think like this. Maybe it's because what you said at the very beginning, maybe Europe just doesn't respect the Premier League as much as people think it, that they do. But, um, you know, I'd be getting my agent on, on the phone to some of these foreign clubs and be like, mate, look, I know I didn't do well at this club, but look at this other club. I'm, you should give a punt on me, basically, and see where that leads. No, I totally agree. I just think... I don't know what it is. Like, there's... I guess all in all, yeah, the way to, to look at it is, bro, there is just a fundamental problem in this country, bro. Like, just when you, even if you think about, like, the national team, right, you had Southgate, he took over from Sam Allardyce. Yeah. He, he took over from Roy Hodgson. He mm. took over from Capello, I want to say. Mm. What is that succession? Do you like, know what's funny about that as well? I, I remember the English FA after Capella was like, nah, we want to hire an English manager now. We, we've, we're tired of the failures of Ericsson and Capella. We want an English manager. I remember, I don't know if you guys remember, the shortlist that they came out with of English managers was like your Hodgson, Steve Bruce, Sam. And I thought, nah, fuck this, man. It was going to be Harry Redknapp if it wasn't for the tax thing as well. Yeah, yeah. Days. Redknapp didn't get it, which was a shame. And they gave it to Allardyce, who, yeah, <laughs> had to have been there. <laughs> you, see with, but you see someone like Redknapp, yeah? That would even make more sense to me. Do you know why? I like him. Gonna, I like you're going to bring... He would at least bring a coach in, innit? And he will focus on, like... Probably good traits in an international manager, keeping everyone on board, checking in on everyone, being a good figure around, and motivating and galvanising, doing that sort of thing whilst an actual coach works on the tactics. But you've got guys like Hodgson, who just come off, like, I know you did well at West Brom, but like, he come off the Liverpool spell. Allardyce, which I don't even know wh- where that came from. That's so left field. Like, Sam Allardyce, who we talk about being brought in as a relegation escape artist, He's manager of your holy grail, the, the the national team. Like, I have to say it this way to make it sound as mad as it actually is. <laughs> and then you end up with Southgate, who's like the 21s guy because you've got a scandal to clear up. And he ends up being in the job for another seven, what, what are we going on, seven years now? Six years? Wow. Something like that, yeah. That's gone, that's gone, that's gone, uh, that's gone crazy. And and his competition was like Stuart Pearce for the job, and and it was like that's the 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 caliber of English managers that that you can put forward. I know at, since then things have changed. Like we've seen 
although they may not be as good, but people like, say, Gerard Lampard, Rooney, even Eddie Howe, who, I'll be honest, I've not been his biggest fan, but he's done really well with Newcastle, is now starting to sort of put the idea in people's heads that he is now going to be the next England manager. And I do feel like that's the level that England are at is, you know, people like Eddie Howe and, and all these guys, no disrespect to them, but they lay the foundations for, let's say, Newcastle or whoever, and then they leave it for the next manager to come in, most likely of a different nationality, to come and, and build on it. And, and when you think of Eddie Howe, I don't think of, oh, he's got the potential to be a Premier League winning manager or a multi-Premier League winning manager. And that's the best that England have to offer and probably is the best England have offered in the last 20, 30 years. Which shows like that there's a lot that needs to change, which it's not something that I think it's gonna sound harsh. I don't think it can change because to have a big culture shift is something that is so monumentally difficult. Yeah. We've seen we have seen to be fair, and people don't give this guy credit um because they think oh he's gone open checkbook at Man City, but Pep Guardiola if people watch grassroots level football, you will see the ideologies of Pep Guardiola filtered all the way down to your Sunday leagues. I'm talking things like playing out the back with your goalkeeper yeah. at Sunday league level. I'm not saying Pep Guardiola invented that, but I'm saying that Pep Guardiola definitely emphasised that in English football. And that's something which we haven't seen Pretty much ever like there has been some managers who to some extent may have used that but they've not emphasized it the way Guardiola has and we're seeing that from the top down like all the way down to Sunday league you go to uh to watch a or even like a league two conference premier match you'll see them playing it out from the back you'll see similar styles which he has implemented which is filtered down and I feel like that's the best way to get a sort of culture change into like let's say English football and then you will then see English players who have played that system their whole lives start yep. to use that. And then if they become a manager, they will then use that and so on and so forth. And that, is, to me, is probably the only way. And that will take like 30, 40 years we're talking until we see a world-class English manager. Why, if we look at the biggest clubs in the world, I'm talking that are not English, your Real Madrid, Barcelona, etc. We saw previously in the 80s and 90s, there were... English managers, and I'm talking English, not even British, English managers managing these teams. How many now even just get linked with a job to Real Madrid, uh, even your Juventuses, Bayern Munich, how many even get linked? Not many. And that's why I feel like there's so much that needs to be worked on if, if England actually do want to improve. And why, even in their own country, why we haven't seen a, an English manager win a Premier League let alone win a Champions League or whatever trophy, big trophy that you want to mention. And I don't know, man. I feel like there's just so much that, that they can improve on. But it just, again, it comes down to the culture, the mindset of are they willing to change? Even when they go abroad, even things like English people, I'll be honest, they don't have the best reputation stereotypically of being willing to learn the language of the country that, that they're settled in. 
stereotypically, not always, it's not a thing where like, oh, every English player is like this. No, I'm not here to say that. Of course, you get people who, English people who are willing to learn the language, but even something on that sort of level can have an effect on, for example, why isn't Nathan Jones now, you know, applying himself to, or applying his, um, I'm even sending through his CV to, to other countries, for example, and, and other clubs abroad. Maybe yeah. it's an element of like, you know, oh, I don't really want to learn a new language or whatever. And, you know, some people take it on the chin, like I said, like a Scott Parker or whoever. Or even, I know he gets clownful, but someone like Gary Neville taking the Valencia job or David it, Moyes taking the Sociedad job. I still respect I like that. to see that. I re- yeah, I, he I went out in that. the deep end and he tried. It didn't work. Okay, fine. But that sort of willingness to go out. And I, I'm even like, I don't know if you saw... Um, there was, uh, I can't remember where it was on now, but they were asking Gary Neville, like, oh, in your time in, in Spain, like, you know, what did you learn as a manager? He said, the only word I learned in Spanish was concentración or something like as like concentration. And I thought <laughs> to myself, you know, maybe that is also an element of why you failed as a manager, because you <laughs> didn't implement yourself in the Spanish culture as well. And you can still implement, even if you want to implement the British way of football, in Spain you can still do that but you need to immerse yourself in Spain and maybe that's another reason why he wasn't successful amongst other yeah. things like his tactics and whatnot but you, it's you've also touched, that you've touched upon it there you touched upon it there so is that what managers should do if managers want to be because it looks like you know no English manager has won the Premier League and I don't feel like that's going to change anytime soon so these guys don't need to follow the footsteps of the previous guys and go abroad and try and get that stuff we have mentioned McLaren. You know, he won. He won the Eredivisie with the FC Twente. You've mentioned there a good step to success is immersing themselves in that culture. What more do you think they could do to break this this this, this barrier? Honestly, I don't know because not even what I'm saying isn't like the case in or isn't like the solution 100%. Because you look at Steve McLaren, who failed miserably with England as England manager. Maybe. His, that was before, though. That was before he won the League of Twenty. Yeah, true. But I was even going to say maybe, even, well, even after Twenty in Wolfsburg, I mean, he's gone yeah. to now assistant manager of of Man United. I mean, I don't know if it's, you know, that sort of style of football is too much for an English team to take from an English manager. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's difficult to balance the English way of football with the European way of football, for example. I mean, I don't know. There's no one-size-fits-all, but I do feel like a culture change, to me, should be probably the first thing that needs to happen. And, I mean, I don't want to call out names, but, you know, if you look at pundits, for example, and just or even platforms and their view of, like you said, you know, your sort of, innovative manager who comes and breaks browns like your like your Mourinho's and, and what their mentality of him is I would want to hope that that's now sort of dying in terms of that mentality and we're starting to see a new sort of openness to different ways of football different styles etc but it has to I would probably say a culture change and that doesn't come until or you won't see it until decades after the person who's implemented as has given us. Yeah, I'd I love don't know. To, what do you what do you think though? What do you think that culture is the first step or yeah yeah coach hundred percent coaches more British coaches go abroad more British coaches 
more British coaches go abroad, the more of them get to implement the British style, and we also get to see whether or not the British style works. Do you know what I mean? Because we, we, I believe we have this ideology that it doesn't work because foreign managers come here and do well, mm. and there's not many English managers that go abroad. So we don't know. We're looking at it like long ball football is not good football. All the Premier League know, all English know about his passion and, and hoofball and strength and and PMP or trying to emblem. I can't even speak right now. Trying to embolize PMP. We don't know if that football is the kryptonite of other countries' footballs. So if Nathan Jones went to the German Bundesliga and did his thing. Maybe it changes the perception and it also changes Europe's perception on English's football. And then more footballers go out abroad, more footballers learn different types of football, meet up for the national team, and therefore we become stronger as a collective. So 100% agree with that. One thing I want to pick up on that you said that would interest me as well as the personality of, my, of coaches. British coaches seem to be very... Uh, well, I say this, they don't lack personality. They lack personality. Like, mm. I'd love a British Jose Mourinho, a manager that comes there and says, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell me nothing. I'm good. I want to show you. I'll prove to you. I can get behind. I think with the UK, because we're such a very, like, uh, we're, like, very, like, uh, you know, I don't know. Old-fashioned. It's definitely yeah. an old-fashioned mentality. It's like... polite first. You have to be polite. Everyone seems to be very media-trained and very, yep. very yep. down-to-earth. I don't want that. I want to see personality. I want to see grit. You get me? I want to see, like, yeah, my balls are big. <laughs> yeah. So but you, look at look at what Carell mentioned earlier. Like, you know, it started off as you know everyone sort of get stuck in, roll your sleeves up. Wingers weren't like English historically don't produce amazing wingers, and they're your sort of flair players or your attacking mids, for example. They're they your do, sort of flair. If they do, they're James Milner. <laughs> No disrespect to James Milner, he made a good career for himself, but that's literally the British winger for you. Like he's not necessarily yeah. the if you're fast, yeah. if you're fast, you're you're Theo Walker, and if you're not that quick, you're you're James Milner. There's literally no, there's no there's no there's no two. Like go back ten years, and the best wingers in the Premier League were Theo Walker, English wingers in the Premier League were Theo Walker and Aaron Lennon. What a dark time for us all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, literally, literally yeah. that's the and even then it was like okay, we can see some sort of like physical advantage, but Technically, the only real technical winger, again, I'm not trying to be biased, is someone like a Joe Cole that England produced. And even mm. then, he wasn't like a, a starter because they gave it to Beckham on the right. And on um, and on the left, it would be someone like whoever. It could be, like I said, like a young Theo Walcott or wherever. But, I mean, to be fair, Beckham was a technical player. But as in, nowadays, you look at sort of English wingers even now and, and a lot of their influence is coming from, you know, that sort of European football, which they're being more open to. And it was like, like I said, like Carell said, it was only one winger per team that could have the flair. And it was like, oh, okay, we can allow you and whatnot. But even the play with flair, they would, they would like, I feel like the views on that player was like, all right, let's try to take him out. We don't want that in our game. You know, you look at, what, for example, Roy Keane said about like when Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo first came to Man United, you know, he was like this kind of twinkle toes kind of player. And, you know, they just wanted to uh, stud him, basically. They didn't want any of that at the club. You look at Eden yeah. Hazard, for example, you look at his ankles during a game. 
inside and outside ankles of both feet would be full of blood because all these players are trying to take him out. Yep. Exactly. And it's not and it's not just it's not just in England. I understand that it's you know it can be, for example, in other countries as well. Like for example, even in um in the French league, in Ligue 1, for example, Neymar has a similar sort of um experience where defenders are just trying to take him out basically. And I'm not trying to say, like I said, it's just like an English problem, but I do feel like the sort of it's testimony to to their sort of views on like just not innovation, but just something different. Mm. Like I said, that winger who comes and does a million stepovers is something different. And he didn't like that. The Pogba's yeah. who come in and has a different haircut every week, they don't like. For a flipping haircut, man, come on. Tell me. Tell me about it. Do you know spin. what I mean? Like, like that sort of... But like you said, the lack of personality is, is yeah. the reason why I feel like they're slow to react or even just be proactive that's why they're not proactive yeah and that needs that's something that needs to change because we do want to see more of it but um yeah that's it guys we do we do so i was gonna say before you wrap up like we want to see more of it but it's about the general public as well because you know even for your older generation sort of fan who has is used to watching england who fit for you know 90 minutes they don't. I don't know how much they're open to seeing, you know, innovation within managers and players and, and whatnot. So, it, it's definitely a cultural thing. I think needs to 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 change. Well, like, what, what, it, it, people don't realize as well. It'll be a massive benefit for everybody. Massive benefit to everybody's experience as well and how they see football. So, and what we can also learn from these changes should broad British managers go abroad. But let us let us know what you guys think. Um, is that something that you want to see? Have you noticed the lack of English managers that are succeeding in not only the Premier League but also outside of the Premier League? And would you also like to see them go abroad and take players with you, with them, you know, as well? Um, it's another episode of us. Um, you've just been listening to myself, Tony, Omar, and Carell. Um, and just before we leave, we also got to say we've got more, more, more stuff coming your way. So stay tuned. Um, one episode a week, of of, of course video content is coming. I know I keep saying that it, it sound like a broken record, but when it does come, it's going to slap. It's going to slap like crack. So keep that, keep a light to that too. And just before we leave you today as well, I've got to mention, I've always, we've always got to mention our tagline. Progression in football is not linear. So remember that always get it tattooed on your skin, put it on your walls, tell it to your partner, put it in your car, whatever you want to do with it. Just don't forget it. Progression in football is not linear. And we will see you or you will hear us next time. Yo, free up the gang, they're innocent. Soon home, that's imminent. I'm a niggas don't play no games like they pull their ligaments. I wanna rack for the beat, I just made that's a minimum. You know the source is different. I wanna rack for the beat, I just made that's a minimum. You know the source is different. Fake you, get rid of them. Fake you, get rid. Fake you, get rid of them. Fake you, get rid. Fake you, get rid of them. Fake you, get rid. Fake you, get rid.